Reminders to Remember. That's the title of today's message. Join us. This is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, Steve Converse. It is so easy to forget, isn't it? Especially as a Christian. Spiritual perspectives, oh, they fly out the window as fast as they fly in, right? Well, today on Graceful Truth, Pastor Steve Converse reminds us to remember. And God is so gracious. He gives us plenty of reasons to remember and help to remember. Join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Once again, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Well, what are some keys to remembering things? What are some keys to help our memory bank work and function in a way that would glorify and honor God? Well, first of all, and he touched on it there in Jeremiah about the shepherds leading them astray. But first of all, it goes right back to 2 Peter and 2 Timothy where it talks about avoiding false teachers. Avoiding false teachers. It's so important that we understand that that is an important issue within the church. You know, when you talk to different people within the church and sometimes you, you have to preach against certain errors or whatever, I get this from people all the time. Well, I just think you're too narrow-minded. I think that God's bigger than all that. I think that you're just focusing on too narrow-minded doctrine, doctrinal things and maybe you should lay off the doctrine because doctrine is divisive. What are they thinking? I heard one, time, one person tell me one time, well, in our church, you know, we don't talk a lot about theology because it's divisive. I wanted to say, do you know what theology is? Theology is the study of God. So you don't want to talk about God because it's divisive, but you go to church. I, you know, figure that one out. Sometimes it just gets so irritating to try to dice and slice and make everybody happy. I don't think we're called to do that, beloved. I think we're called to go to this book and say, here's what it says. Here's what we understand the word of God to say. I'm not going to focus on what it doesn't say or what it might say or maybe what it could say. I mean, somebody asked me the other day about Calvinism. Calvinism is a system of beliefs that basically talks about the doctrines of grace and puts it all on God. That we don't have anything to do with our salvation. We're, we're sovereignly chosen by God. That we will be saved no matter what. We can't unsave ourselves. And they said, well, and there's, there's five points of Calvinism. Tulip is the thing. And you can do your own study on that. We're not going to get into all that today. But people make divisions in the church by saying, well, how many points of Calvinism do you believe? Do you believe all five points? Or do you just believe three or two? Or... And I said, look, first of all, I don't call myself a Calvinist. I'm a Biblicist. Whatever the Bible says, that's what I want to believe. Do I agree with Calvinism? Yes, I do, because I find it in the Bible. All over the place. And to be honest with you, I don't think you can be just a one or two or three or four point Calvinist. Either you take the whole thing or you walk away from the whole thing. Because either God is completely sovereign in our salvation or we are. There's no middle ground there. And I thought, you know, sometimes we shy away from discussions like that because even though the Word of God teaches certain things, because we don't want to be, quote, divisive. 
We don't want to narrow the net we're trying to throw out to the community. We need to avoid false teachers. That's why in 2 Timothy chapter 15, he says, you know what? If you avoid false teachers, he says there in verse 15, 2 Timothy chapter 2, do your best to present yourselves to God as a approved a worker who needs not to be ashamed, rightly handling the what? Word of truth, not the word of truths, plural, the word of truth. Verse 16, but avoid a reverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. Look at what it says, verse 18, who have what? Swerved from the truth. Wow, Timothy, are you saying there's a, there's a way that you need to be on and it's not this broad way? That's exactly what he's saying. They swerved from the truth. And the error that they were coming up with was, was it says that they said that the resurrection had already happened. It says that they are upsetting the faith of some. And down in verse 21 it says, Therefore if anyone cleanses them, or if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, this false teaching, he will be what? A vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful for the master, ready for every good work. That's the goal of every Christian, that we should be used as a vessel honorably, set apart as holy, useful to our master for every good work. We shouldn't be trying to throw stuff in the vessel that has an adverse effect on that goal. We shouldn't be trying to figure out how close to sin we can get before it taints us. That's just not what we're called to do. The Bible over and over again says, flee, flee, run as far away as you can. Avoid false teachers. I was flipping through the channels the other day and saw that uh, evangelist by the name of Todd Bentley is back at it. Over in South Africa. He's the guy that was... In charge of the whole thing back down in, I think it was Lakeland, Florida, several years ago, where he talks about fire, fire, fire. Do you feel the fire? He's punching people and slapping people and all sorts of things in the name of Christ, claiming healings here and there. I watched it. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get my mind around it. I mean, there's people flailing on the floors. There's, there's people screaming and assisting. He's just weird himself. And I thought, man... What, what, what draws people to this stuff? It's an illusion. I believe if we avoid the false and we let the true, we absorb ourselves with the truth constantly, that's how it help us remember some of these basic things. We won't forget so quickly. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And this goes to the next point here. That we have to not only avoid false teachers, but we have to avoid... Sin. You have to avoid sin. Look at what it says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. There's different people that, you know, they read this text and they say, oh, that means everybody up in heaven is looking down on us. And, you know, I mean, do you really think... That when you go to heaven as a believer, that you're even one going to look back at this sinful, sick, sin-stained earth? I don't think so. I think 
one of the witnesses he's talking about is all the witnesses that have gone before, all this faith chapter preceding it. Look at, look at what they did, how they were obedient to God, and look at what happened. That's a witness. That's, that's, you know, you hear sometimes in black churches, can I get a witness? What's that mean? Exactly. It means, hey, you're, you're in agreement. You know, you know that God's doing something here. You're excited about the Lord. So he says, we're surrounded by all that, that God has done, all the cloud of witnesses. Let us, let us lay aside every weight. Don't get tangled up. And sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So this is almost what Jeremiah did in reverse. You know, Jeremiah said, hey, look at that northern kingdom, how God judged them for their disobedience. Judah, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. They didn't listen. They, they went ahead and were disobedient. God judged them. They were taken into captivity. Here it's almost the opposite. He's saying, look around and see what God does when people are obedient, people of faith. You're surrounded by witness after witness of the goodness of God, the grace of God. Therefore, you know what? Don't get tangled up in, in things that are going to pull you down in this world. Doesn't make sense. Don't allow that that sin to 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 get close. It says, run with endurance the race that is set before us. I was watching the show Cops. And you know how kids wear their their uh, jeans down around their well, almost their knees, you know, they got everything showing their dotted underwear and all sorts of things but this one kid he got pulled over and uh, they were questioning him outside the car and he was one of those kind of gangbanger type he had his jeans way down you know and they were done searching him they hadn't put him in handcuffs yet and this kid thought yeah I'm just going to take off so he starts running well he made it like two feet trip fell and you know the police didn't even bother even I mean there, he was right there but they just kind of looked and said where are you going you know and his pants were already they went down further to his knees and he's kind of squirming around and he couldn't do anything you know why because he was tangled up he was tangled up in his own clothes that's what happens sometimes to us as believers we forget the consequences of sin we forget the power the draw upon our own lustful hearts towards sin and we think somehow well I'm going to be the exception to the rule no you're not no you're not even back in in 1 Peter 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 tells us the same thing 1 Peter 2 1 he says there so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander it says put it away from you have nothing to do with it don't go there we have to avoid false teachers. We also have to avoid sin. And then thirdly, for the positive, we are, we're to desire, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. 
Desire that, that pure milk of the word. Desire to study the word of God. I mean, when we're studying the Bible, it, it, it shouldn't matter what the study's about. It really shouldn't. I mean, I don't think that you should be looking at the title. Oh, they're going through Revelation. I've already been there, done that. I don't need to go through that again. Hello. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So do I. We all do. It's not the subject matter. It's the idea that you're in the word. You're desiring it. I mean, when you desire something, you know, when I get a a crave for sugar, I don't even get a certain craving for anything. I just need some sugar. It could be gummy bears. It could be cotton candy. It could be whatever. I just want some sugar. It could be a Pepsi. I'm not real. I don't care what the sugar is. I just want some sugar. See, that's the kind of desire that we should need for the the word of God. That You know what? When, When it's in this book, we should desire it. We should long to study it. So you set aside the false teaching. You set aside sin and you absorb yourself in the word of God. I guarantee you that that will help you remember certain things. Now that takes us to 2 Peter chapter 2, or 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. And on the back of your outline, you have a list of these urgent reminders that Peter wanted them to know. The first one there is godly qualities. He says in verse 12, and we're going to go through this real fast. I intend always to remind you of these qualities. What qualities? What things? The things that we went over last week. The things about knowing our salvation. Things like the source of our salvation in verse 1. That we've obtained this gift. It's not something we came up with on our own. It's a gift. Talks about the substance of our salvation in verse 2. It talks about the sufficiency of our salvation in verses 3 and 4. And we've studied all this and you can get the CD on it. And it talks about the surety of our salvation in verses 5 to 11. And he wants us to remember these things so that we're not end up blind, nearsighted, unfruitful, ineffective as believers. And then in verse 12 he goes on, he says, I know that you know them. You know them, you're saved, you, you, you have a saving knowledge of this stuff already. And I know that because he says in verse 12, you have security in your salvation, that you've been established. You've been established. It's not like a wave that's here today and gone tomorrow. No, you're established, it says, in the what? Truth that you have. Verse 13. He talks about his authority to share these things with him. Says, I think it's right. In other words, you know what? God has put this on my heart, and I'm not backing away. You've heard this all before. I understand, but I don't care because God has told me to do this. I think it right. My authority is to give you the truth. See, that should be the role of any teacher. You shouldn't be worried about after you give them the truth, are they going to like you or dislike you? I mean, what kind of teacher is that? He'd be all over the map. Peter is expressing his authority here. And he talks about his role in verse 13 as well. 
He says, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up. That's his, his role, to stir you up. You know, you can use that in a negative sense, can't you? You have a group of people. Somebody comes into the group, oh, they're just here to stir things up. What's that mean? They're here to cause trouble, right? That happens in churches all the time. But here, it has the idea of a positive stirring up. It's not a negative thing. It's something that needs to be stirred up. Last week, I went to Tragon Research. You ever go down there, taste the little stuff, and they pay you? You're like a lab rat. (laughs) Put you in this little booth. It's all white. It's freezing in there. You get in there, and you sit there, and they open up a little door, and this one was for yogurt. So three days... About half hour maybe each time. Had to taste seven yogurts. <laughs> That's a tough one for me. But I got through it. Got my $105 at the end of the three days. That's good enough. Take my wife out to dinner or something. But I remember sitting there. And they bring the yogurt out. And they have it in a box. You're not allowed to take it out. You're you know, not supposed to know the name of it or anything. And on the survey, they said, when you eat yogurt fruited yogurt, do you just eat from the top to the bottom? Uh, Do you just uh, mix it all up or what's your way? And I mix it all up. So I remember stirring this stuff. And some of it's like there was no fruit on the bottom, I don't think, you know, because I just couldn't get to it. So you're eating this Greek yogurt that's just not very good. And uh, I just remember thinking, whoa, you know, by the end of the three days, I had my fill of yogurt. It was just way too much yogurt. But the idea here is that was a, a positive stirring. You know, you're, you're stirring up your yogurt. You want the fruit to be part of the yogurt so it doesn't taste so bad. Um, at least that's my, my philosophy when I eat yogurt. And this, this word here, really, to stir up means to fully awake something, to arouse something. To stir it up, to get it going. Um, and it has the idea of stirring up somebody who's become slack. In their service to God. Sometimes Sunday mornings, people need to be aroused. They need to be aroused. They need to be stirred up. That's the idea here. That's his role. That's our role, one for another. And then he says here that he understood his soon departure in verse 14. Look at this. You know, this is kind of like you're at the, 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 the bed of somebody who's dying. And you're leaning in and they're trying to say something to you. And you're, trying to, you're, you're saying, what, 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 do you, what do you want to say? And they're about ready to pass from this life into the next. You know, that, that would be a very solemn moment. That would be something you'd want to hear what that person is saying. And that's his idea here. He says, I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. How did he know that? Well, Jesus told him. You can read it for yourself back in, uh, where is it, John 21. He said, you know, you're, you're, you're going to die. You're going to be martyred. No question about it. He knew that. He didn't know when, but he knew it. And when you stop and you think about that, you know what? He's telling them, look, I'm not going to be around very long. and I want to help you remember these things. And then in verse 15, look at what he says. He says, and I will make every effort And this was a continued effort on Peter's part. So that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. What's he mean? You know what? I'm going to write these things down for you. 
Guys, you ever, you're out, you're going to work, or you're out, maybe you're at work and the wife calls and, hey, could you stop the store and pick up a half, you know, a dozen eggs and a loaf of bread and, you know, da, 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 two avocados and tomatoes. You know, she starts on that list thing. I said, text me. <laughs> Real simple. Text me. Email me. Well, no, I'm just, I just need, I don't care if you need one thing. Text me because I'll forget. Okay, I just do. I've been walking around key markets sometimes. For, I'm not going to call her, man. I'm too prideful to call her back. It's just one thing. I can't remember what it is. God wants us to remember these basic things, beloved. And I think that he wants us to remember that Peter here is being diligent in every way to share with these people and with us these items that are so, so important for us to, to remember because it makes a big difference in the way you live now. If you remember things in your past, maybe mistakes you've made and how you've handled yourself, that's going to affect the way you, you deal with that in the future. It's the same way in a spiritual life. Don't ever lose sight of where you've come from. Don't ever lose sight that, you know what, God has saved me for a purpose. Am I fulfilling that purpose? Or am I one of these blind people, nearsighted people that's ineffective and unfruitful? That's not honoring to Christ. That's not honoring to God. He desires so much more from us. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we... uh, have a lot to remember. Father, I pray that you would remind us of the things that you plan to do in and through us. And Lord, that your plans, we're going to find out next week, even go into eternity. How exciting that is. It doesn't all stop when we, we give up this body and enter eternity. We really need to be reminded who we're dealing with here. We're dealing with Jesus Christ. We're dealing with the majestic glorious son of God the one who created the world that we see he sustains the world each and every day he redeemed the world and he reigns supreme over it it's his world and he's in control of it ultimately sovereignly sure Satan makes his way around but that's only under the sovereign hand of God And that tells me that even when we're not in control, when maybe our emotions get a little out of control, when circumstances get out of control, when lives get out of control, that means that he's going to carry you through those times. And he'll make good on his promises. Lord, I pray today if there's anyone here who's yet to put their faith or trust in you, that they would understand that you're a God who is real, you're personal, You desire the best for us. You created us. Your grace is overflowing. And Father, you desire to have a relationship with us in a way that no other God could ever. And you promise to save all those who put their faith and trust in you and in your Son as Lord and Savior. We ask that you would move and work in and through our hearts. And we look forward, as Peter did, for that one day when we will truly be with you and we'll give up this body and be ushered into your presence. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.